That one, year number four. It's a yank on the footy with Craig Wessels. Let's all sit back and enjoy a chat about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 240 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels, coming from Sandusky, Ohio, and thanks for checking out the episode. In just a moment, I'm going to be bringing you the 16th of 18 previews for 2023. I'm going to be joined by Sly and Spook from the Collingwood Rants podcast, and we're going to be previewing the Collingwood Bagpies for 2023. And this was a... uh, I love the conversation we had, but it was it was a bit of a challenge to do this one because uh, this was a 5.30 in the morning start time for me on this interview. So uh, I hope you won't hear too many yawns during this one, but I'm typically up at 5 o'clock, so I just got up about a half an hour earlier. Now, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget that you can get your local footy club getting a shout-out during an upcoming episode if you drop me a note over on my website, yankonthefooty.com, or reach out to me on any one of my socials. You can find links to all of those on my website as well. I love being able to shout out the local footy clubs and learn a little bit about their history and where they are and who their rivals are. And I just love to see the, the, that the club is, is in many ways just the focus of that community or that suburb or that region. And it's just, it's just wonderful to see because I wish we had things like that here in the United States. It's something that I'm quite frankly a little envious of. It's, it's very, very cool. But today's club of the episode are the Surrey Park Panthers. And the Panthers were founded in 1994 from two older clubs, one that got its start in the 1940s and the other one way back in the 1880s. And they were formed with a merger between the Surrey Hills Club and the East Camberwells Football Clubs. And as I said, these clubs can both be traced back to the 1940s and to the 1880s respectively. They play their games in the Eastern Football League in Victoria, and last weekend the club held their life, excuse me, lift the lid walk for mental health. And I hope this was an absolutely fantastic and rousing success for the club. I, I think that this is a uh, a well worthy program uh, for those of you who have been listening for a while. All my show notes, and I close out the episodes with this also. All of my show notes have the listings for. Numbers like Beyond Blue and that sort of thing in case you need to get in touch with somebody. So I appreciate them doing this. Now, I did also notice that according to the Eastern League website, the Surrey Park Football Club is looking for an opponent to play their under-19s team in a preseason match on Saturday the 25th of March at 10 a.m. And I guess that's going to be at the Tatterson Park on Cheltenham Road in Keysboro, Victoria. And uh, I hope I pronounced Cheltenham correctly there. I think I did. Uh, And if you are somebody who's involved with the club that wants to get a scrimmage or a practice match against a 19U side, you can reach out to their footy ops coordinator, Zach Tempany. And uh, you can reach him at surreyparkfc at, excuse me, dot footyopscoord, C-O-O-R-D, at gmail.com. Or you can reach him at, and your phone numbers are a little different than ours, 0433-653-306. Or you can reach Chris Day, the under-19 coach, and you can reach him at 0418-606-645. And I think that, uh, well, quite frankly, you have the same number of numbers in a phone number there, although we might have a a one to start a long-distance call. So it might, you know, my... 
my phone number here might be one, if you were dialing from out of state, 1419, which is our area code, and then the seven-digit number. So I had to make sure I read those correctly then. Again, they're looking for an under-19 uh, practice match on the 25th of March. I want to wish the Panthers the absolute best this year as they get ready for 2023. I hope they have a fantastic season. And again, this was a club that uh, was suggested by my guest, Sly and Spook, to give a shout-out to. And let's go ahead and jump into my chat with Sly and Spook uh, from the Collingwood Rants podcast. And I really, really enjoyed this discussion. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back for another one of our preview episodes for 2023. And I am absolutely thrilled to be joined by the hosts of the Collingwood Rants podcast, Sly and Spook. Gentlemen, Thanks for uh, staying up late tonight with me. I'll say that because uh, I got up early for this week. Appreciate yeah, it, guys. This is going to be a lot of fun. We got talking a little bit off air about films and movies and that sort of thing. And uh, and I Tom uh, Hawkins. and Tom Hawkins and Nakaya Cockatoo. Um, and uh, well, I I have my reserve jars of Vegemite up here on the shelf because I've gone. I had my first Vegemite in June of 2021, and I've gone through 17 jars of it since then. 17, huh? Uh-huh. Absolutely love I it. I don't think I've had one. <laughs> no, I, I, I love it. I love it. It's good. Yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely do love it. But uh, So we're here to talk about the Magpies, you know, the juggernaut club of the AFL. You guys have one of the largest memberships, if not the largest. I think you're up there with the Eagles and the Tigers. And uh, do we do we count the, the, the dog members with the Tigers to do that? Yeah, they... Have members like yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're part of the animal fraternity. They've all got some interesting tiers of uh, membership. Yeah, I, yes. mean, I think Richard, the... Canaries. I think Canaries get a look in there. I mean, they're like a yeah, free but, game membership. But so only if only if they've been in a coal mine. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so um, first question out of the gate here: uh, What were your expectations for Craig McRae going into last year, and did he? I'm guessing he exceeded them in by leaps and bounds. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, mine going in was, I think we were all pretty much done with the Buckley era. Okay. Um, the thing that I've been crying for for years, I think that Collingwood's done their best work with an outsider coming in. Um, the last couple of flags that were won um, in the last 412 years have come from external coaches, and that's <laughs> that was a great attractor to bring someone with with external IP in that that, that served a, a very good apprentice under um, a ship under one of the better coaches going around. Um, a couple of successful clubs with Richmond and and so forth. I think he sort of um, really from from the outside fit the bill perfectly to what we wanted, and um, you know, I, to his credit, he. He's made some major changes to the club that have borne the start of some fruit, hopefully. I think the really impressive thing with McRae is he formulated this game plan around kicking goals, which Buckley was ultra defensive and it was excruciating games. It was like like watching grass grow uh, toward the end of Buckley's tenure. And everyone just wanted to change. Did McRae, did he exceed expectations completely? Oh, yeah. You know, make top four. I think people thought that list would be in transition, but he's picked it up, brought it to within the kick of a grand final, which is too typical of Collingwood's story. But he actually, <laughs> the thing when you speak to Collingwood fans, and I guess with us, is he actually made us play an attractive brand of football. Mm-hmm. So you watched them, and it wasn't like, well, if we lose, at least we're losing, going down, swinging. 
It's not trying to keep the opposition down to five goals for a whole game, as mm-hmm. Buckley was trying to do there for about the last couple of years. Right. Yeah, and it's it's it was an exciting brand to play, and I and I think a lot of that simply had to do with who was out on the ground as well, because I mean it's a great you got a great young group, but you still got you know a very solid you know group of veterans as well um and and somebody who i would i would love to have playing on my side i think in any game i mean if i had if i could take one player off of the magpies and put him on my side i'd take brody my in a heartbeat because i just yeah. I, I think he's a he's a swiss army knife he does everything really really well yeah he's been asked to punch above his weight the whole time he's been at collingwood also and he does it admirably uh always presents always tries i mean Second half of the, this year, he played extremely sore, but mm-hmm. he's constantly out there, you know. And I know he's got a lot of admirers among opposition fans. He's been a fan of ours for uh, for a number of years. A fan of ours, oh, the other way around. <laughs> We've been a fan of his. <laughs> I'm sure he's um, in, his, in his quiet times. He, he's probably tuning into the rant. Yeah, and why wouldn't you? I don't know. Yeah, Do you know why? exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, I know he's been leading goal kicker with us for for the last few years. So he's um, he's been Mr. Consistency. Um, yeah, he's been a beauty. I mean, the really good thing with McRae is I think there's players that under Buckley were really stagnating and McRae found a way to get them to play to their fullest potential and also encourage them to play an atta- uh, attacking brand mm-hmm. and also to play on instinct, whereas I think with Buckley, they were overly regimented and you saw this constant thing of like players who get possession and kick across the ground and they would try and set up this meticulous, perfect counter-attack which just never happened. Whereas with McRae, it was just like, get the ball, run, go towards goal, fo- try and kick it to a player with the same Guernsey as yours. Right, right. So <laughs> A novel approach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was great. I mean, there was players like Steel Sidebottom and I mean, there was others that you could see were just actually enjoying being out mm, there mm-hmm. for the first time in years. Well, you know, it in many ways... You know, well, well, the 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 club that that I support did not change coaches. They kind of both went in that direction because you know, a lot of people said that Chris Scott did the same kind of thing where it was very much a defensive, slow, chip and kick that type of uh, style, and they just they kind of just you know took the reins off and just said go and 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 both clubs extraordinarily entertaining. I mean, it, you know, the the pies are a heck of a lot of fun to watch, and. Have you guys started marketing? Uh, I, I had a shirt idea for you, and I don't know if you've marketed these yet, but after last year where you had 11 games that were decided by less than a goal on average, um, have you started selling your being a Magpie supporter could be hazardous to your health shirts yet? Uh, they've been in production for about 70 years. Okay. <laughs> I mean, because, you know, your cardiologists have to, ju- you know, you walk in, you know, you walk in for your appointment, you've got your, your pies jumper on there, you're going, Oh, you're okay. Your heart's working just fine. <laughs> and you get generally you get a ten percent discount as well. <laughs> so, you know, I I was going to ask you about whether you know moving on from Bucks is the right thing, but you guys have already answered that for me. It sounded like you guys were waving as he departed after oh. the last. <laughs> oh, look, Buckley. I've always said Nathan Buckley's underrated. He's one of the best players I've seen, and he doesn't mm-hmm. get the credit he deserves. And I think a lot of people, myself included, when he took over as coach, we thought. He'll coach the way he played, which is attacking, long, pers- purposeful, and he went completely the opposite way. And 18 months aside, out of the 10-year tenure, he was just a really dour defensive coach mm. who, I don't know if you want to say, what he ground the joy out of supporters. and um, So it was time for a change. 
you know, thanks for the service, but like, uh, you know, he, he coached us to a losing grand final, so he had nothing left to accomplish at the club. Yeah. <laughs> Why am I laughing? Well, uh, I mean, they've only got 27 losses. It's a big big club he's a member of. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think, and I don't know if he ever has a desire to go back into coaching, but if if he does, do you think that whatever club might be considering him looks at what happened during his his later tenure with with the Pies and and just kind of says – that's not the brand of footy we want to play. So, you know, while you are a, you, you would definitely have name recognition. You're not somebody that we think could actually get us going the way we think we should be going. I think one of the things with just coaching in general now, I mean, you said with John Longmire at Sydney, where they recognize, well, this guy has a great defensive component. So mm-hmm. we need to bring in someone to complement him with an attacking component, whereas Sydney brought in Don Pike, you know, so. I think you could bring Bucks in as long as you understood. We need to surround him with some people who are going to say, let's play a bit more fluidly and right. you know, a little bit more attacking. Now, whether they feel he's open to doing that, I don't know. He might just say, well, no, it's my way or the highway. Yeah, But I think he's happy in the media. I think so too. I think, yeah, he was quite uh, highly spoken of when there was a number of positions available at the end of last year mm-hmm. that I don't probably was expecting him to to at least go to one but um he's chosen the media again i think a lot of that was family driven um and i think that'll be a factor for a, for a couple of years he may go back but i think he he does good work in the media he's mm-hmm. he's he's interesting to listen to he has a very um sound knowledge of the game and he's an astute observer of things i think probably one of the problems with his coaching is is that that message tended to get lost a fair bit mm-hmm. um in terms of just over explaining or or who knows but um I don't think it particularly gelled with the playing group at, at times, but certainly the way he speaks as, as a commentator, he's, he's, he's captivating to listen to. I think one of the problems with Buckley's coaching is Buckley, like I said, was a brilliant player. And I don't think he really connected with people who weren't on that level. Yeah, that's a good point. Or who didn't have that same attitude where he lived and breathed football 24-7. And if you had players coming in who were like, well, football is just a job to me or it's just a game. And yeah. outside of football, I want to have a life. I, I think he actually got those people. Whereas, like, the really good coaches, they understand, like, teams that or lists are made of different personalities and I need to connect with them mm-hmm. on their level or I need to find a way to connect. And they all have different requirements when it comes to encouragement and, you know, getting the best out of them and all that. I, I think Buckley sort of had that one message and if it wasn't working, he just didn't know how to connect with other players. Yeah. Well, and it could be interesting with him with regards to being over at Fox Footy now because there's a lot of... There's a lot of airtime that has to be filled now since Nick Rewald seems to be staying in the U.S. here for the year. So he may he may be filling that role for them. Well, he's doing really well. I mean, he's, he's surprisingly extroverted and laid back in the media that you didn't really see as much as a coach. Now, I think he's just enjoying not having the scrutiny on him. He's got a really good reputation with the media. Mm-hmm. He always has, like, during his tenure with Collingwood, he had a good relationship with the media, whereas other coaches, I mean like Chris Scott can sometimes be seen as confrontational, which I actually like mm-hmm. when the coach goes in the bat for the team and stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas Buckley was always an ambassador when he, he approached the media. So I, look, I think he's found his niche. I think where he is, is perfect. Yeah, I, I think so. I don't know whether you, you see much of the, the other Fox coverages aside from the game, but uh, there's a, a post game show that he does 
um, on Saturday nights, I think it yeah, is. With, with, with John, Arthur Arthur Downs or Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. It, it really just shows a, a lighter side of him that he's, he's exactly. usually serious all yeah. the time. Um, and I think, yeah, that's that's something I think, yeah, the, 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 again, just it, people warm to him when he's when he's in that sort of persona and i mm-hmm. think certainly on the tv that's that's it's an admirable thing and yeah you're probably right about um uh, the revolt um void being filled by him you know revolt's a great commentator and and a, and a really interesting person to listen to when he's talking about football and mm-hmm. yeah you really need some of these straight shooters out there to 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 pretty much call it as they say it yeah it's yeah i do i do watch all the the fox footy programming you know with our with my international membership i get all that i just wish that they could figure out how to to work cooperatively and put things like footy classified in the front bar on there so i don't have to go try to find those the next day on youtube um you know i can find them but it usually takes like 24 hours before they'll show up there yeah i wouldn't be trying to find the front bar i don't want the front bar yeah well well, if that's not a condemnation (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i i i mean since i don't watch since, you know, I, I, since I don't watch any other sport at that time of the year, I mean, I was a huge baseball fan here for, you know, my entire life, but I've not watched baseball now in three years. I'm so frustrated with the, with the way that, that, that league is being run. I just have not, I've not watched. I mean, all, all I watch is footy. So it's, okay. uh, yeah, I mean, it, this is, yeah, this isn't, this isn't my sidebar. This is my live and breathe, as you'd mentioned with, with Buckley. This is what, this is my thing. I'm not, you know, I guess, like I mentioned off air, I said, I didn't even watch the, uh, the, the, I don't know if I can say the, the name of the game afterwards because I know they have that whole trademark issue. But uh, yes, I didn't watch that superb owl, uh, <laughs> super bell. Yes, yeah, yeah. So you know, last year you you, you go from seventeen to four, which I did. You pinch yourself and think this isn't really happening, is it? Because you, I I don't think you probably expected to jump all the way into the top four last year. I, I think the seventeen wasn't. We weren't as bad as the 17 that year. Yeah. There was a lot of circumstances that sort of chipped in with Buckley's coaching, getting to where it was, players being forced to leave when they didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, the president was ousted. So there's a lot of sort of contributors to having just a bad year. Um, now, I'm not saying they should have been, you know, they're going to win a flag or anything, but probably they were more like a 6 to 12 team. And this year you would expect the sort of the same. And you look at like a couple of those close wins. If they lost a couple, they would have went from fourth to oh, tenth yeah. or something. So I mean, but yeah, to actually win them and to constantly win, I mean, the situation too when you're Congress support, you talk about Congress being Congress support, it can be hazardous to your health. A lot of those <laughs> ones that went our way is gen- consistently historically, if they generally go against us in some mm-hmm. way. So we're finding ways to win, whereas previously historically we found ways to lose. So that's the thing where it was like really pinching ourselves. And I know a few times talking about games ago. Yeah, we'll probably drop this from here. And we didn't. We went the other way. We just found yeah. a way to win. So that's the thing that was really uh difficult to process given who we are as a club. So but conversely, we lost two finals by those same type of kicks as yeah, well. So yeah, you would figure that's your, your next step of the of the evolution is to to you know, you've got those excessively high pressure type games where the stakes are pretty much you've got to win or that's it. Um that that, that that's where the next sort of investment comes in too about winning those type of things and winning them well hopefully so, i mean really the we talk about ahead. this a lot of time sorry okay look we've won 15 flags we've lost 27 mm-hmm. and we've drawn two so we've drawn two in the same time we've won two which tells you now i mean spook always says a draw is a statistical aberration so what's that make our wins 
So the big, the, the big, um, the monkey on McRae's back is you actually have to win a flag because plenty of Collingwood coaches have gone in the grand finals and lost them. Mm-hmm. So that's coaches come in and do that. That's like, you know, uh, par for the course. So the big thing that McRae's got to do is not just get the next step. It's like win it all. Win it all. And that's right, the hard right. thing at Collingwood because I think culturally there's a timidity about their approach to grand finals that always holds them back. You know, I, and okay. you've got to I mean like in all forms of sport, you've got clubs that are just perennial bridesmaids. You know, Buffalo in um, the NFL years ago, what, they lose about yeah, four. Four we of did that in the seven, yeah. yeah, we did that. We almost did that in the 70s and 80s. We lost four out of five. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, in the what, historically in the last 60 years, we've lost about 12 or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like, well, how are we going to find a way to win one? So even like go back four years ago when we lost under Buckley, we led that game for 99.5% of the game. Yeah, all and we, are a minute and 47 yeah, seconds. And we lost 0.5%. And yeah. that was typical Collingwood. So it's finding a way to actually win and to reverse that narrative that really drives the club and has driven the club for about 60 to 70 years. So yeah, I think, yeah, the, the inclusion of, of, of uh, Fly and a, and a couple of the other assistants, it, it seems to be a shift in that that mindset, hopefully, too, that the club, I think it must have to at some point wake up and realise that it's it dwells too long in the past and it's time to forge its uh, its own destiny or a new mm-hmm. destiny under a different moniker than, than the old one of we're just bigger than better than everyone else. It doesn't matter the fact that we don't win a lot of premierships. We just are bigger and better than everyone else. It just doesn't ring true anymore. Success is, is driven by what you achieve on the field and you know we, we've fallen over more often than not and I think it's you know you've got to break that that club's mentality and start getting them thinking in that winning direction and I think that's one of the things that Fly did this year with the last, um, year. last year sorry with the um, you know some of the um, mindset changes with, the, with mm-hmm. the playing group and the way that they were talking about a winning culture all the time and I think there was like even at some of the early training sessions they had signage up just remember uh, reminding him of the, of the phrase winning and and positive sort of endorsements and 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 things that were hopefully going to gear them into that mindset and you could say or you could argue probably successfully that that clearly a lot of those close games were won based on that 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 drive and that will to to want to win and you know you wanted to see it just keep growing now and 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 Geelong went through a similar end of, uh, evolution like 89 92 94 95 they lost grand finals they were seen as, you know, I mean, they were called the catastrophes. And then about 206, <laughs> they sat down and just sort of looked at themselves as a club and said, well, where do we want to get? Mm-hmm. And that's where they turned it around. They sort of realized, look, if we want to succeed ultimately, then we need to go above and beyond everything we know. And they, from memory, like they had to sit down, like all the players, and they challenged each other. We need to lift beyond this. And then since 07, you've won like four in about 15 years or something, you know? So. Yeah. Clubs can do it. It's just, but what's your approach going to be? Right, right. And I think, so, as Luke said, McRae's done that well. So, and it's not only like um, you know, just doing it once. It's you look at the, the Geelong period where they they won three, the Brisbane's, yeah, Brisbane three, Richmond three, Hawthorne three. Yeah, you know, it, it's incredibly difficult to to climb that that mountain and 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 reach the pinnacle, but to, to do it year after year and keep driving and wanting to win. I mean, that's a mindset I'd love to see at Collingwood because we haven't achieved it since about 1930 or something when we had that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're, you're in the great grand scheme of things, you are, you're 
you are cautiously optimistic, but you do, you know, you, you, you're looking at it, realizing that, you know what, we've had instances where we've gotten close to the mountaintop and haven't been able to make it all the way up there yet. So, I mean, it's, you know, in these close games, as you said, you know, you were, you know, you were just a few points from being, you know, being fourth to being, you know, 10th or 12th. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, does that, that has to keep you kind of on edge realizing that we can't just rest on our laurels because we were, you know, we were top four this past year. We're going to be top four this year. Cause if some of those go the other way, you know, it could possibly. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. yeah. Look, I mean, look, I really hate the, the, the stance when I've had conversations with people and said, Oh, well, you know, what are you complaining about? We lost the prelim by a point. We're a point mm-hmm. away from a grand final. And it's like, but we lost. So whoever we lost by a point, 101 points, you still lost. You didn't make it. So what are you celebrating coming to third? So it's really like about, well, look at what, what we achieved. Now we get a better that. And as I said, I mean, this club betters it so regularly in terms of getting there, but succeeding and then building long-term success. I mean, I've seen two premierships in my life and both of them were the instruments of self-destruction in the long term. You know, we unraveled after both spectacularly. So, it, you know, it's more about not just being cautiously optimistic, but being driven to the point where we're going to say, look, you know why we lost? And this is a big thing this club does. It makes excuses. And it's just like, you know why we lost? We just weren't good enough. And then we need mm-hmm. to get better. It's not about like the, the preliminary final was a lot of people going, oh, was that happily pushed on Darcy Moore? It's like, okay, so you're making the excuse. And if you make an excuse, it means you don't have to take responsibility for the loss. So if you don't have to take responsibility for loss, why do you need to improve? You're just going to have to hope the circumstances are better next time around. No, you know what? You need to get That's better. That's a great point. That's, what it comes down to. That's a great point. Mm. So what what are you or what are you looking for in terms of you know we, a successful year i'm i'm of course i think is is hoisting the flag at the end of the year yeah but uh is anything short of that a successful year it's a difficult one to quantify as an answer i i mean you, you could you could simply say that there are certain uh, developing players that you want to see progressively get better. Um, you know, the Nick Dacoses of the world, there should be a template for where the, what the others are trying to to strive to be. Um, that, though, gets soured a little bit, though, if you, say, finish ninth or mm-hmm. you finish eighth and you, you get rolled in the first week of the finals. That's what people are tending to, you're going to remember. I right. mean, it, it's going to be a, an amalgam of a number of things where you want to see improvement in the areas that you need to see improvement in. I mean, one of our biggest deficiencies last year, even though we were a very attacking and exciting side to watch is we didn't score high very often. Um, that's certainly an area that we want to see um, develop is better our forward line. Um, we brought in McStay, which I don't think either of us thinks that's the particularly right answer but you know you want to see some some positive output from from the big boy you know if he if he if he kicks 40 a year next year or this year whatever we are we're in i'm still transitioning between years um (laughs) probably consider that a success if if that's the 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 role that you've been brought in to fill and you're performing well in it then then it has to mark the success column i think one thing though is when you ask like if you don't win the flag is this is it a successful year some of it has to be judged retrospectively. So if you look at like when Collingwood won the flag in 210, and then if you mm-hmm. go back over 292827, you would say, were they successful years? Well, individually on paper, they weren't. But in terms of getting to that 210 flag, they were getting plenty of games into young players going the next level, transitioning 
from the older brigade into the younger brigade. So in terms of building for that 210 flag, they were successful years in, in putting the building blocks in place. And, yeah. you know, I, I recall like a friend saw Ross Lyon speak years ago. He was talking about the Bulldogs flag in 2016. And Ross Lyon goes, it's not just one year to win a flag. It's not just a one year thing. It's getting games into young kids, working out who can play, developing the game plan. So it's like a three or four year thing. So I think in terms of if we don't win the flag this year, we'll have to look back retrospectively in 10 years time and go, well, did we yield something out of this group or was it mm-hmm. just a waste? Mm-hmm. So if they win a flag, if they don't win it this year, but they win it next year and you go, well, we'll put in the pieces in place last two years. You say, okay, that was successful years. So how, uh, how excited are you about bringing Tom Mitchell into the side? Who? <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, hey, his 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 stripes have turned ninety degrees. He's one of yours now. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, look, I mean, in terms of filling a massive void for us, which is winning clearances, mm-hmm. he'll contribute a fair bit, I think, to that. He's a bloke who puts his body over the ball. He's, he'll dish it out quite effectively. Um, hopefully, he acts as a bit of a mentor to someone else in that role because what is he now? Thirty. I was about 46, I think. Okay, 46 yeah. in the shade. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's risky at that age. You know, look, injury can strike you and strike you pretty quick, uh, especially if you've been a bit of a bash and crash player. But look, on paper, he should fill mm-hmm. – he, he should be quite productive. I mean, I know at the moment he's tearing up the training track with Nick Dacos. So I like that from the point of view. Look, even if he didn't end up playing this year, if he's inspiring the younger brigade to go, this is how you have to go about it. To play, I recall a story Dermot Brereton told in about 2000 or 2001, where Daniel Chick was at a Hawthorne and he, before the game, um, whoever Hawthorne's coach was, I can't remember, said, you know, there's someone want the job tagging Buckley and Brereton said, Daniel Chick put his hand up. And after the game, like when, Hawthorne when, won. When he had a complete hand. Yeah. And after the game, um, yeah, Hawthorne won pretty comfortably, but Daniel Chick just, you know, he was just, he couldn't breathe and, he just said, I can't believe anyone can run that much. And Brereton <laughs> said that was like his tipping point to realise to become an elite player, this is what you need to do. So for Mitchell, if you can set the standard, you can lift it and you can teach other players, well, this is what you need to do to become an elite player, then like I am really happy. And, and by the way, you know, we joke about players coming in and all that sort of stuff. I actually don't, whoever we bring in, then I just want it to be a success. They can make right, a right. of my opinion. But I want them to be the best player they can be because that's we're all going to benefit from it. So I don't want to be a supporter like, you know, if I'm doubtful about a player, then he comes in. I don't want to be the guy running around. Oh, I'll see, I told you he's not going to be great. No, prove me wrong. Be the best player you can be. And I'd rather eat my words than have there that player not succeed. That makes sense. So, are you know, you've, uh, you've got a new captain this year uh, and, uh, you know, your former captain, who I, I heard rumors he played basketball at one time. Uh, yeah, when he was but, a junior. Yeah. <laughs> With Della. I think it's mentioned. Delhi took his position at the academy or something, or some basketball academy. Yeah. yeah. There is some correlation between the yeah. two. But are, are was Darcy Moore the right pick? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, from, I, I mean, so. from all accounts, and this has been going on for years, they, just, they say he's a wonderful leader behind the scenes and all that. Even from when he was first showed up at the club, he's well-spoken, mm-hmm. great leader. I mean, his dad was captain of the club back in 81. Okay. You know, and I always say that his dad, people, 
he's not recognised for the player he was because he won two Brownlow medals at two different clubs. He's the he, archetype of the modern ruckman and, in a lot of ways. You know, you get a lot of these athletic ruckmen now, and I just say, well, compared to what he was, he was much, much better. So Darcy's got all those attributes, and he's got the leadership. So, yeah, I, I think he probably was clear in a way the best choice, even though some people sort of throw left-field suggestions like Jack Crisp or Braden Maynard. Mm-hmm. You know, I really like, yeah, Darcy Moore's selection, I think, is perfect. Yep, so uh, totally, totally happy with that one. Speaking of athletic rucks, and while he did not play an awful lot last year because of injury, is the is the side going to miss Brody Grundy? Do you think? I think he will finally tap it to our midfielders now. <laughs> so that'll be good to see. Well, at least twice. Yeah, a year. Uh Brody Grundy's a great rucker over. He's I don't think he's a great tap ruckman. He gets mm-hmm. statistically got gets his hands to the ball a lot. You know, we have finals like the preliminary final in 2019 where he got like, what is it, 80 taps? Yeah. We still lost. Same with the grand final. Yeah, the grand final got about 60. We still lost. Yeah. Uh, the ratio of taps to taps to advantage isn't great. He's not a great overhead mark that you'd want for a Ruckman. He's a really good running player. He's got great endurance, you know, good ground ball skills for his size. Yeah, definitely. Yep. But it's very much that sort of thing of like, you're, you're, the height you are, you should be great at the ruck things. Mm-hmm. You're actually great at things that rucks generally aren't great at, which is, well, that's a fantastic bonus, but we still need you to be great at the ruck things. So, oh, look, I, I think his output means we probably would miss him to some extent. We never really got to see him under the McRae game style, but, you know, we played the bulk of the year without him and we got to a prelim. So, uh, you know, did we really miss him that much? Yeah, and Darcy Cameron did a pretty, pretty, good job stepping in last year and uh you know you got bags on the sideline waiting to step in and who knows you know maybe mason cox will you know get a little bit of time i'd love to see making mason cox get a good run at the ruck because he's always well generally he plays there as a pinch hitter Mm -hmm. um i'd like to see them just give him like a month of football in the ruck because i think he's someone who'd actually do excel at that yeah you know i've always i said it from the moment he showed up that he as a as a forward he's going to be consistent he's going to be what you'd expect from a ruckman playing forward. He'll kick four goals one week. He won't do anything the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. That's what generally all the ruckmen who play forward do. Because if it was as easy as just putting someone seven foot up forward, everyone would be doing it. But when he plays in the ruck, he has genuine... Um, he's very deft with his tap work. He's got a bit of aggression, which is good. He's got a, you know, he, he will go for his marks and he's a really good mark when he sees them and he yeah. clamps them. So... I like to see him get a good run at it for about four weeks. And with Darcy Cameron doing a hamstring, um, he's going to probably start with a chance. So, yeah. So, because realistically, we can't carry McStay, Cameron, and Cox in the in the same side. Yeah, and so, so, with Cameron doing a hamstring at Collingwood, that's about 18, 19 weeks. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Cox should get a pretty good run. I think so. Okay, so is there is there anybody that that we've not mentioned yet who you think is going to get into the twenty two this year that you're really excited about? Who who you really want to see out there that you haven't maybe seen yet, or you're waiting to see take that next leap? Probably Tom Mitchell. Well, Mitchell's <laughs> of the recruits, but I mean Oscar Allen's getting who was their first drafty last year. They're saying he's pretty big bodied and a beautiful user of the ball, so he's mm-hmm. someone I think is really going to get a look in. They did a little bit of a clean out of their younger stocks last year. So I don't really know that anyone's on the cusp that, you know, was showing something last year. 
So it's going to be someone who, you know, in terms of the youth, who has to have a quantum leap in development. Yeah, I think a, a young brigade was fairly settled last year, so there was really nobody knocking. I mean, the one guy who should have been knocking was Charlie Dean, and he broke his like he was would have been selected round one last year, and he broke his foot. Um, and and it was so good he did it again. Yeah, he did it again, <laughs> and then he get. I mean, actually, like Bobby Hill from um, GWS, I really like the looks of him. And then you get Frampton from Adelaide, who has some mail on, could be a really, you know, a, a very underrated pickup. Yeah, he's um, apparently doing quite well. I mean, you can only go by, um, you know, the track watchers at the moment and, and their assessments of things because, uh, you know, the, the official challenge will, uh, channels will tell you that everyone's flying this time of year. I've never seen a pre-season. Oh, yeah. Good point, um, but good the point. Track watchers are sort of, they're honing in on, on probably exactly the ones that Sly mentioned. They seem to be the ones that are, are probably, it, it'd be a combination of the ones that are naturally going to be pushing for a, for a spot with a little bit of seniority behind them or experience and um, or, or fill a particular need that we have. Um, Frampton is the one that I really want to see come along because I think Dean, we we did, I think last year we certainly were we had some high hopes for him and certainly again this year up until uh, the other day when they were dashed, so he could fit the mold perfectly. I mean, one of the things that and Sly can probably start quoting a thesis on it in a minute is he wants to see more go up forward and all it takes is for us to get one or two you know key blokes to come back and that becomes a, a real possibility, something we can use. Right. Uh, uh, this year and get him into the forward line, which I think would be a, a also I think it'd be a great sort of uh, solution to a problem that we have. So yeah, you, you want the big boys to come on the big uh, tall. Well, I mean, conversely, I mean, he's, he's the guy you could play him in the ruck and he'd dominate in that position. Um, you know, you look at Grundy and you say he's an athletic ruck, and I think if he played more there, people would be looking at Grundy as the poor man's version of Moore. Um, Moore's a great mark. Taps to advantage, follows up on the ball, and that's what his dad was. He, like I said, his dad was a brilliant player. No, so Darcy has that same athleticism, which I think isn't being maximised playing in defence. Okay, because I was going to say because he's you know, he's one of the best defenders. I mean, it's it's and you know, and he may be better at other spots on the ground, but it's it's you know, it's. Well, I always say with more. I, I mean, the the. You know, the analogy is like Geelong recruiting Jeremy Cameron and saying, well, now we're going to play at full back. That's where we think we need you. And it's like, all right, I'm sure you probably do. That's fair. That's, yeah. You know, and and we're the only, there's clubs that have their, you know, Richmond got Tom Lynch, same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, Sydney got Buddy Franklin. They didn't put him at full back. They played him up forward because that's where games align. And I'm sure someone will probably point to Weedering at Carlton, that Carlton has McKay and Kerno up forward. So they got some very good alternatives. More... I think he's a great intercept defender. Mm-hmm. I think he's a great rebounder. I don't think he's a great man-on-man defender. There's times he's just beaten easily man-on-man. Mm-hmm. And there's games where, like people said, he's gotten this many rebounds and he's done this much, yet he's still given up four goals. And I think in defense, there's times where just the ball coming forward can be delivered so well that it doesn't really matter who you have down there. Mm-hmm. If the, the forward's on the lead, the fullback can't do anything. So in that situation, I think, well, why do we have more skill set down there he can't actually impact the contest just go play someone else who you're going to get pretty much the same out of maybe you won't get the same level of counter attack or internet marking but you might get more man-on-man stuff or more yeah. you know uh, spoiling it so like I, I the way i look at the side is i think they could get more not only can they get more out of darcy more playing forward but it means that guys like my check and that they go one down the line so instead of getting the best uh, defender every week he then gets the second or third best defender 
and with Darcy Moore there, the opposition, like if I was an opposition coach and I saw Darcy Moore line up centre-half forward, I'd panic a little bit. And then guys like Brody Mychek and that can get a little bit loose. Mm-hmm. And that's what yeah. happens. I mean, you look at you know Geelong with Cameron and Hawkins down there. Yeah, That's a nightmare for coaches. Imagine Cameron was playing a full back. An opposition coach would go, okay, let's one of them out of the way. So, <laughs> That's, that's you know, a definite point. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, Spooks there, we didn't kick many, you know, many big scores. And I think that's one of the reasons. We don't have the manpower down there. Mm-hmm. I think Darcy could bring it. Yeah. That, and that's, and I guess I have to look at it from the mindset of I've only seen him playing in defense. So I don't necessarily know what he, enough of what he brings to the table, you know, move forward. So I, I'm certainly going to defer to you guys because you know infinitely more oh. about. As a, as a junior, he was playing forward and his father gave a talk last year where he said he should play forward. Mm. So it's just Buckley. Again, Buckley was like, well, with my defensive coaching, why should I play this kid? Well, let's play him at fullback. Let's play him furthest you can from our goals. And it was unfortunate. <laughs> the, the, his forays up forward um, we were during that era where just bombing it into the forward line was the best that we could do. We had mm-hmm. no ability to deliver with anything. And statistically, he still matches up with other young yeah. forwards like Jack Rewalt and all those guys. They, you know, In his first year as a permanent forward, he got about 25 goals, which is generally what the young forwards coming up do. So statistically, he was actually comparing pretty well. I think in his second game, he kicked five goals against the Bulldogs. Oh, shit. You know, you've you got to have a little bit of ability when you're doing that in your second game. So under the game style they play on the McRae of moving the ball quickly, geez, he, he could really prosper down there. And then the, the actual side could prosper also. Yep. Right. So, you know, looking at your at your fixture for this year, you you you, you you've got a gauntlet the first four yeah. And this is no this is no shot at, at St. Kilda because they're your fifth round game. But you know, you, you start out with the Cats, you got Port Adelaide, who, you know, I they can't afford to start out 0-5 this year. Ken Hinckley's gonna be, you know, bagging groceries, I think, if he if he starts out if he goes 0-5 this year and doesn't play. I think in Adelaide you do that as a coach anyway. <laughs> Good to have a second job. Yeah. But you know, I mean, then, then, but you know, Richmond and Brisbane after that. So, I mean, this yeah. is uh, you're Certainly starting out, jumping right into the fire. Oh, it's a tough draw, no, no question. But I mean, it's good, you know. Like I, mean, it's, I not want, I never look at the draw because it's just like if you're good enough, you're going to win. So that's oh, what it comes did. down to. You know, it's not this thing of oh well, we should be free and free or whatever. Or if we're free and free, we position well. Yeah. So you're good enough, you win, and it's just the thing. If you're not good enough, then you shouldn't be there. So in 2010, for example, when we started. When we got going, you know, at the start of the year, people were looking at the guy who would have played some killer twice, played Geelong twice. When we started going, like about, you know, midway through the year, those teams didn't hold any fear for us. And then 211, where we played really well until the last few games, didn't really matter who we played. And that was just, again, you had that mentality of whoever's there will beat you. And I'm sure McRae's also fostering that within the psyche of the club. It's just don't care what the draw is. We're going to go out there and we'll win them because they're mm-hmm. all winnable. Yep. All right, so I mean, it's not like they got a grand final in the first six rounds. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. That's a great point. Yeah, you don't. You, and and this is not to toot my club's horn at all. But if you go back and look at their first, basically six or eight rounds of the season, they were very pedestrian last year. Yeah. I mean, they you know they they were not they were not the club in the first six or eight rounds of the year that they were at the la- at the end of the year, which you know. You, you certainly want to end on a high note. Oh, and that's the thing. I mean, most sides who win flags, I'm sure there's probably exceptions like Essendon in 2000. 
but generally, you know, you don't start out of the gate because at some point you'll slump. Mm-hmm. It's usually you start slow and build up and you want to be peaking around marathon, August. August, August. Mm-hmm. And that was the problem to a level. I mean, we peaked by August and then we're on the downhill slope. So, um, yeah, you know, so just take on all comers right. and win what we do. And if we don't, just get better. That's it. So Simple as that. Yeah, there you go. So what... Uh... What bold prediction do you want to make for the Magpies this year that other people might kind of just look at it and go, whoa, that is bold? Ooh, uh, we'll win the wooden spoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I, you know, yeah. I, I know that's, that is, that was, it, that was very funny, but if you, you know, I don't think West Coast was planning on finishing 17th last year. You know, no, they, I, I think there's still know. a few clubs in front of us with the spoon. Oh, look, a bold prediction. Look, you know, I mean, I, I'd say there at the beginning of every year, we'll win a flag, and I don't care where we are mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year because we're all equal now. So we should be aiming to win the flag, and that's my bold prediction. Win the flag, not because I believe it's a significant uh, improvement from last year, but just because I think at the start of the year, you should be looking at the ultimate prize. Otherwise, mm-hmm. what do you win it for? Oh, that's exactly right. I mean, it, 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 the 16 clubs who think they can win it today, yeah, um, you know, you should be one of them every year. You should be thinking that. Um, for bold predictions, I mean, it, the hard thing for me is like we came from nothing in 21 and, and probably, I don't want to use the word overachieved, but overachieved last year um, to a certain extent that I, I think we just might need a little bit of, cushioning to to this year could be tempered by a little bit of realism of, of, of expectation. Um, I, I think if we – we're probably a bottom eight side, realistically. The bottom of the eight, yeah. the final eight, not bottom of the eight. As in. So my bold prediction is we win the flag from eighth place. Ah, yeah, about time. Well, there you go. There you go. So uh, last year, I mean, you, look, to improve on last year, you need – you can't afford drop off in any of the older players. No. So they've got a couple of good mm-hmm. years that, you know, so I go out of a couple of players like Sidebottom and Pendlebury that really good years. Um, and then you had the injection of Nick Dacos, which was just sublime. So this year you really need no drop off from the older players. Hopefully mm-hmm. guys like Adams can play a full year. Tom Mitchell adds something. And to go, he has a massively consistent. Year. until the scandal and whatever around um and I, I don't think he came to the u.s during the offseason this year i think he's i think he stayed away no he's probably gone somewhere else <laughs> and successfully he successfully navigated bali a couple of times since the last trip i think so all that we know of yeah yeah so pretty sure he was he wore a false moustache last trip away, so uh, I think he's got us all fooled. Well, I was a little bit worried that they didn't fight him on the grassy knoll. Oh, my goodness, yes, yes. And his yeah. nickname is Identikid. <laughs> uh, I don't think a lot of people are – if they're, if people are, are, are younger than my 19 years of age, I don't think people are going to get that joke. Uh, <laughs> but uh, – so we don't specialize in modern stuff. There you go. That's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. But, uh, or anything in general, really. Yeah. Um, so the Pies have played their final game for 2023, whatever round that happens to be in. The final game has played. What does the headline in the Herald Sun say the next day about the Pies season? Oh, that's a good one. 
Pies fly. High in the sky. That's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I could have kept going. That all depends whether Robbo writes something. Oh, God. (laughs) If you're going to call it writing. Well, if Robbo writes the article, we'd be pies flag tainted by insert something here. Yeah. (laughs) Ah. Well, insert something here could mean a number of things with Robbo. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. Well, you, you, you hadn't it's sworn up until this point, but that's certainly getting... <laughs> well, he started me on Robbo. Yeah. It's like, um, you ever seen Ace Ventura? Pet now, let me let me go back. Let me jump in here real quickly. <laughs> is, this, is this somewhere along the line where you would chime in then with the, I'd buy that for a dollar? Uh, we went to RoboCop <laughs> earlier, but off air, so we had to... <laughs> I'm still trying to think of a cool headline. No, it's a difficult one because yeah. we don't have too many positive headlines at that time of year. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, if we win the flag, I don't know, flies pies. <laughs> you call yeah. mine bad, or you plagiarize or, the worst parts, or maybe, yeah. or may, maybe, uh, in like in 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 quotes where it said. We knew they would, but spell spell would W O O D, maybe. I think the likeliest um, headline would be "COVID hits pies day before grand." Gonic plague makes resurgence. Okay, so you guys ready for some uh, some pies trivia before we wrap up here? Yeah, yeah sure. This this could be okay. embarrassing. This, Not could be. Well, well, I I there. They are a mixture of things from last season and a few things like in the great grand scheme of things. Uh, so which seven Magpies players, all of them who had played at least 18 games, had over 20 disposals a game last year? I'll make that, guess. Yeah, that'd be my first one. Uh-huh. Spendlebury? Uh, um, Spendlebury, yes. Sidebottom? Uh, Sidebottom, no. Uh, uh, I thought it was in Sidebottom. Degoe? Degoe, yes. Yeah. Identikit. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Never Josh getting Dacos. Yeah, Josh, Josh Dacos. Dacos. Uh-huh. That is four. That's four. Uh, Crispy, we were up. Uh, yeah. So yep. be one of them. Yep. Quainor? No. Quainor? Nope. Oh, two, two more. One of them you've mentioned today and one of them you have not. Noble? Yeah, I thought it was noble. <laughs> oh, trying to remember our midfield. Hoskin <laughs> <Oscar> Elliott. <laughs> no. No, that's the, the trivia question wasn't who disappeared for 20 games. <laughs> Maynard? No, who sir. Maynard? No, 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 Maynard. Nope. Uh, Darcy Moore. Can we can I buy a vowel? Uh well, Taylor Adams is one. No. Of the yeah, other two. No. And Did he, he play? He, he, he felt like he was injured for most of the and, season. And Lipinski. Oh, oh I forgot about Lipinski. Yeah, yeah. The yep. quiet achiever. That quiet, very he, quiet. He didn't even feature in our answers. Invisible man. Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, he was the other one then. So yeah. Um, I'm going to look at. Uh, yeah, Taylor Adams played in 18 games last year. He was the, he was the cutoff oh. one there. Yeah. And Sidebottom was Literally. at Sidebottom was at 18 disposals a game, so he was close. Yep. No, it's not good enough side. He'd lift you down. Yeah. I think they should get rid of him. Yeah. All right. So these are the three players who have played at least 300 games for the Magpies. 
Oh, oh. they're free. It's Coventry, Shaw, and yeah, Pendlebury. Shaw and Pendles, yeah. yeah. There you go. And, you know, I'm just looking at, is Pendlebury going to get to 400, do you think? Do you think he sticks around? Oh, depending on how he does this year, but I Not think this he year. would. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's two more seasons. So, yeah. I mean, the, the scary thing is, you know, we'll say he's durable and then tomorrow he'll wake up and he would have slipped on a banana peel and did a knee. So we don't want to call him durable. Right, right. You want to, you want but, to be cautiously optimistic, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He's, you know, he's slowed down a little bit, but he hasn't slowed down significantly, even though Spook said his career was over in 2018. But no, no, no. I, I bounced back. <laughs> um, <laughs> you would seriously think he, he, he could almost do it. I mean, oh, I his he... longevity looks to be there. I mean, the mm-hmm. fact is that at 104 years old, he's still our best <laughs> midfielder. Yeah. So you just think if he's going to slow down, it might take about five or six years to come to a grinding halt. I, mean, I think the only query of him is, is, you know, what happened to Buckley doesn't happen to him. So Buckley won the brown line 203 and then 04, 05, just had massive injury years. In 06, mm-hmm. he played most, but as a forward. In 07, he pretty much missed the whole year. And again, at that age, you know, the drop-off can just come suddenly. So as long as that doesn't happen, I think he definitely should get the 400, okay. if not 450. Ooh, that'd be, that'd be a lot. That'd be Without a drug scandal. Yeah. Speaking, speaking, of, speaking of 450, we're actually going to be talking about 458 here. This 25-game player from last year led the club with an average of 458 meters gained per game. Well, that'd be Chris, Chris wouldn't it? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yep, yep. Now, not as embarrassed as I thought we would be. Yeah, who was because we can read the answers? <laughs> no, they're over here. You can't see <laughs> behind Tom Hawkins' head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, who have the Magpies defeated more than any other club in their team history? Calton, no, not more. The Geelong, let's cry. St. Kilda. Um, Segura, so like 161 wins, two draws, and 60 losses. Yeah. So and and, and, and who's, who's, who's defeated the Magpies the most? Oh, that have to Themselves. Be. Geelong. <laughs> <laughs> And let me go to the let me go to the official scorekeeper. Yeah, they did say yes. It did say themselves. No, uh, was <laughs> Car- Car- Carlton? Uh, yeah, Carlton was along yep. with. Yep. Oh, yeah, they'd feature somewhere. A hundred, a hundred and thirty, a hundred thirty wins against them, four draws, and hundred twenty-eight losses. So you're still above level with them. Yeah, and hundred twenty-seven of those losses were grand finals. Yeah, yeah. we. Did, we... We finally caught up in the last two years. I mean, in the eighties, it was they caught they overhauled us, and they've been in front since. Yeah, until the last two years. So this 24-game player led the club with 96.3% time on ground last year. Chris Begin? Oh, he's 24-year-old, didn't you say? Oh, so he's no, he played, in, he played in 24 games. Oh, 24. Yeah. Would it be Crisp? Would it be Crisp? I don't know. I'd, no? I'd say Quainall. Darcy Moore. Go. That's what they're talking about. Oh, they're Now, you've already answered this question. I, I had it oh, written down here, but. It's <laughs> no, you got it. No, how many years in a row had Brody Majacek been the leading goal kicker for the Pies? And you said four. All of them. You, yeah. you, uh, yes, well. you answered that question before I even asked it, which is extraordinarily impressive. And it's somebody who's. Gonna, a, we're, 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 we have to stop writing your material for you. <laughs> 
Hey, do you want, do you want to edit it? I've got, I, once we, once we finish up today, I think I have 21 interviews on my computer that I need to edit. <laughs> Are they with Donald Trump? Uh, I think you're breaking up. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so, um, this player led the club with an average of 8.4 one percenters per game last year, which I love this. I, I love this statistic. No, it's not. Actually, it might be um, Adams. Adams. Uh, Lipinski. Why don't we just guess every player until we're right? <laughs> nope. <laughs> he's, pretty, he's pretty popular here. <laughs> no, it's not Buckley. C. No. I'll pick C. Darcy Moore again. Jeez. Oh, that time yeah. something. I love. <laughs> <laughs> so we obviously I, I, don't invest much time in damn license statistics. No. I do. I love the. Uh, I love that stat. As I've read more about that over the years, I mean, it, it, you could almost rename that, you know, like the "do the right thing" stat, or do yeah. you know do do what needs to be done when nobody's looking stat, or whatever you want to call it. But I, I guess one percenter fits perfectly. But it's it's the, it's the one that the club notices that maybe the the the, the supporters don't pick up necessarily on first glance. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah. So this player kicked at least 130 goals each year between 1970 and 1972. McKenna? Yeah. Yes. Peter McKenna. Peter McKenna. Yep. Yep. And uh which this 19 game player had the lowest disposal efficiency percentage for the club last year? Half oh, last year, as I said, Daniel Nichols. Um and his name has not come up today, surprisingly. So what was it, the question? Because it's going to be Callum so Brown. Lowest disposal efficiency. Lowest disposal efficiency. Oh. At 56.56%. Who was that kid they brought up? Is it an established player or just the young guy? Because I'm just thinking. Oh, oh I, th- I think he's very established. Oh, it's, it's, it's Jack Crisp. It's Darcy Moore. Side bottom. It is Jamie Elliott. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. I've not gone there. Yeah. No. We obviously didn't. He doesn't <laughs> miss in all these highlights. No. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Uh-uh. He does not. Uh-uh. Those are always good disposals yeah. there. Yeah. So. Ex-listening coach is just going, thanks, last, Jamie. <laughs> last, uh, last question. Who won more games as a Magpie senior coach, Lee Matthews or Nathan Buckley? Ooh, so let's see. Oh, senior really? coach, they're both 10 years. Matthew's coming in 86, and they were ordinary then and started picking up. Well, they were ordinary in 87. And then they would have lost a lot through the 90s. No. I think Bucks would probably yeah, lost. I'm Matthews, because Buckley would have had four years. Buckley had four years out of the finals. Oh, I'm going Bucks. I'm going Matthews. Okay. Nathan Buckley, 112 wins, two oh. draws, 92 losses. Lee Matthews, 122 wins. Four draws, eighty-nine losses. So Matthews Good. by ten. Oh, it's close. Yep. And Matthews has Good the question, one important one. So Matthews has the one important one. Oh, they're they're not important. <laughs> Matthews <laughs> is one zero in grand final. No, nobody rates those grand final things. So, gentlemen, before we wrap up here, uh, please, if if uh, a Magpie supporter is listening, or anybody else for that matter, who wants to hear about all things Magpies, have not checked out your show, where can they find it? What can they expect from the, the two of you? Well, probably a lot of crap. You'd expect that. <laughs> uh, you can find us on YouTube under the Calling It Rant. And I'm really shocked. Yes, you can expect a lot of crap and rambling, but oh, we gen- we have some good insight. I mean, look, the one thing, we're both older supporters, so... We're jaded. Yeah, but it's also a good thing because we... Disenfranchised. Yeah. 
You got the Rogers thesaurus there. Um, but it's like, you know, we both have the same belief that, look, this club could be not just good, it could be great. Mm-hmm. And that's where we want this club to get to. And, you know, making prelims and all that, that's not greatness. That's just making prelims. That's what's um, expected. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's you want to hit that top echelon time and time again, like Richmond's done now and Geelong's done and Hawthorne's done. And that's what we want to see with Collingwood, not just success, but sustained success. We want to okay. see his club be ruthless. And that's anything we say, although we might come across as negative at times, that's where we want to, what we want to see the club realise. And in watching the club, we just really cut through the hype. You know, if we like something, we'll call it. If we think it's being flattered or, you know, being humoured, then we'll call that too. Okay. So where can yeah. – uh, are, are you are you exclusively on YouTube or do you also – No, no, we're also on um, podcasts. Yeah. yeah, so well, yeah, it, it, it filters around to um, Spotify and, and okay. um, iTunes and all that sort Terrific. of thing. So we we film um, YouTube and then we just strip the audio out and put that out as a podcast. Okay, because we're basically lazy. No, that's, that's what we were no you're not lazy. You're you're not lazy because you do put out video. We're efficient. Then. We're efficient. You're efficient. Yeah, I don't. I don't. We should be running a club. I don't. Yeah. Well, there was an opening recently, um, but <laughs> I went for. I did apply for the CEO, and they didn't give it to me. Yeah. I can't believe it. Yeah, so, I told them I had no experience or anything, but they still didn't apply, well, appoint me. And if they want to follow you on social media, where can they find you? Uh, Twitter under the Collingwood Rant and Facebook under the Collingwood Rant. Um, January pretty active on Twitter during the season. During mm-hmm. the off season, we tend to go quiet. Oh, sorry, I tend to go quiet. Spooth does nothing and it just shrinks in the corner. Yeah, but yeah, so Twitter and Facebook are the two main ones. So did I say that loud? Um, but yeah, I mean, during the season, we, yeah, you know, we keep the account really active. Are we still on MySpace? <laughs> yeah, we're on MySpace also. Look us up on MySpace. <laughs> use, web, use Web Wombat to find us. Yeah, and yeah, that other one. Alta Vista. Pornhub. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> We're, we're oh, 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 sorry, sorry, didn't mean to say that Alta Vista. What is that Alta Vista? We're, we're generally on Pornhub at the end of September. Is that is that because uh you know in that 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 last game where it's a single point, you guys got screwed? Is that what's happening there? No, it's because I got your headline, Pies Cock Up. Uh, see? Well, there you go. It was worth there it at the end. There you go. Well <laughs> someone had to go, yeah. Um gentlemen, sly spook. I want to thank you guys for taking time out of your evening. Um, and, you know, this was, uh, I was a little nervous about getting up so early to do this, but it's, it's worked out, I think pretty well. I mean, I'm norm I'm normally in my, cl- I've already been in my classroom for almost 40 minutes at this point in time, every morning, I'm usually there anyway. So it's not like no, I got thank up you a whole, so much, much for being accommodating, you know, thank you. No, not a problem. I, I appreciate it. With a bit of Vegemite toast now. Have a beer well, I, on us. Well, <laughs> Don't I don't tend to do that because I've got uh, one one whole side of my family tree were alcoholics, so I think, think there's some hereditary they, things. Was there, that the so. calling the supporter side? <laughs> no, they wouldn't. They would not have known what Australian football was. They they're they're mostly gone. Well, I think actually they all are gone now. Yeah, my my dad's been gone now for twenty almost twenty two years now. So, but uh, yeah, he actually died the same age that I am right now. So I can't at fifty nine. I can't wait to be sixty, so I can I can you know tell him hey I beat you. Uh, got got past you there, so I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to later this year when I hit 60, which is going to be a big jump from the 19 that so I when, am now. When's that? What month's that? Uh it's in June. 
Yes. You that on your own birthday? I do. <laughs> yeah. I I do, but I think that might be one of those things. If somebody's listening, there's there's somebody who's gonna you know try to steal my identity right here from the podcast. Which which by the way, you know, there's some aspects of my identity. I think if they wanted to have it, they certainly could have it. I'd be more than happy to let them ha- let them have it, and I'll, I'll take other parts of maybe theirs instead. <laughs> but uh, yeah, strange. guys, this was uh this was a lot of fun. I wish the pies the best of luck in 22 rounds this year because they do play the cats twice. So, um, and, and yeah. I do, you know, I do have to ask, and you know, since I have you here, cause I asked this of the, the Richmond supporter that I, that I spoke to the Richmond podcast group. Is it true that all of the buses and that sort of thing that the pies would use for transporting equipment and players and that sort of thing, is it, is it true that there's some sort of a device on it that once it hits the M1 southbound, that it actually just shuts off the engine? What's this a can of raisin? So just you know, so they, so they so they don't have to ever go to Geelong. Is that is, is that? I think I had to ask. Oh, that. I don't think it shuts off the engine until it's driving to a grand final. I was hoping we were going to talk about doing eighty-eight miles per hour and seeing some serious shit. No. <laughs> we're gonna yeah yeah we're we're going we're not gonna need any roads exactly. We've got a lot of movie references in this one today. Uh, we're both movie nerds when we're not calling good nerds. So there you go. There you go. Well, guys, I appreciate it. Uh, and I hope you have a, a fantastic evening and uh, can't wait to get the season started because I'm excited about it. Uh, and, you know, I think there's realistically, I think there are at least a dozen, maybe even 14 teams that could play finals this year. Yeah, look, I mean, to be serious, I don't think you're really, you know, expecting too much. As long as we go through the season undefeated, you know. That's all I can ask. Well, Sly, Sly, Spook, I appreciate it, man. Cheers. Uh, Cheers, Matt. Yipper. All right, Sly and Spook, thanks, guys, for uh, working around my schedule, and I'm glad I was able to work around yours, and we were able to sit down and have this wonderful chat. I think you guys have a a great side. If the cards fall right and you have the successes in close games the way that you did last year, I don't see why you can't be right back where you were again in 2023 as you were in 2022. Of course, there are some other sides out there that I'm sure are going to think, oh boy, they got a little bit lucky there, here and there. And of course, you guys did get the chance to break some hearts as well. <laughs> so ladies and gents, remember, you can find everything related to my podcast over at my website, ayankonthefooty.com. You can subscribe to the mailing list. If you enjoy the podcast, you can leave a review over there. You can click on the review button. It'll take you out either to Apple Podcasts or you can leave a review or you can leave one right on the website, which then I'm able to share out on social media, uh, hopefully encouraging more people to check out the podcast. If you want to help out the podcast and keep it up and running, uh, you can click on that buy me a coffee button there and uh, support the podcast that way. Uh, I don't have anything behind a paywall. I know a number of podcasts do Patreon and things like that, but I'm I'm a one man show, so I don't uh, I don't have that. So anything that I produce comes out for you to hear. And if you like it and you want to help out, that's fantastic. Uh, if you want to buy some podcast gear, uh, my Redbubble page is linked up at the top with the store page. And what's great about that is if you order something on there, there is actually a production facility in Australia that will make it for you. So if you order a T-shirt. They'll make that T-shirt for you and ship it right to you from Australia. So it's not coming from the United States with an exorbitant shipping cost or anything like that. And trust me, you know, buying things from the team shop and other places like that, I do realize just how expensive it is to get things shipped here. 
If you have an idea for a guest for the podcast, also don't hesitate to reach out. You can drop me uh, an email at yankonthefootagegmail.com. There's a register as a guest button on my website. If you do that, though, drop me a note also so that I know that you did that. I'm always looking for great guests who have fantastic stories to tell. Uh, if you haven't checked them out already, during the off-season this year, I did a series of about 10 or 12 most memorable game episodes where I talked to people about the game that they'll never forget, the one that's always going to stick in their mind. Maybe it's one that they were there and they saw and they really, really enjoyed, or it was just something that happened surrounding that game that is going to stick with them for their entire life. And I'm going to pick up and do those again uh, in the off-season after the grand final and after the draft and that sort of thing. So, you know, be thinking about that also. If you have a most memorable game, I'm going to want to talk to you this off-season. Okay, so I'll interrupt your cricket viewing, and we'll go ahead and do that as well. So, ladies and gentlemen, look out for each other. Give your friends and family a call. Let them know that you're okay. Check up with them. Take them out for a coffee. You know, take them out for a walk in the park, whatever you need to do, okay? Let them know that you care. And again, if you need to talk to somebody, those numbers are in my show notes as they are every single week. Folks, I do appreciate the kind words, uh, your graciousness in uh, helping out the podcast and just, just being you know, decent to uh, to this American who's fallen in love with your game and is so appreciative that you're sharing it with me is just absolutely awesome. Now, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, I close out the episode the same way every single time, and I'm going to do that for you right now. Ladies and gentlemen, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I will catch you later. This has been episode 240 of A Yank on the Footy. Again, don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on on Twitter or at yankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram, just look for A Yank on the Footy, or on Facebook, A Yank on the Footy Podcast. I am on LinkedIn, and I am on Facebook as well. If you search out my name, Craig Wessels, you can certainly find me there and reach out. I I have people that send me notes on those uh, two different platforms all the time. I'd love to hear from you. I do hope that you'll share this episode with your friends and family if you enjoyed it, okay? And uh, I cannot thank you enough, ladies and gentlemen. Until next time, this is Craig Wessels. Goodbye.